you're listening to Tech Move. This is episode 12. In today's episode, we talk about the tech of Tech Move. I'm going to tell you a little bit about my DIY jib, and Keith is going to talk about a series of 21 videos that he just put up on YouTube. That and much, much more on Tech Move. Well, welcome back, everyone, to a new and exciting episode of Tech Move. I am Rod Louie, and with me, of course, is the great Keith Moreau. Keith, how's it going today? I'm good, Rodney. Thank you very much. Fantastic. Wonderful, wonderful. You know, before we go on, we want to remind our great listeners of where they can find us, where they can contact us, and all that good stuff, of course. You, If you're listening to us right now, you most likely got us off of iTunes, where you find us uh, there and you punch in the word tech move. You can also find us on the web at techmovepodcast.com. Uh, Keith, why don't you tell us about the Facebook and Twitter and all that other stuff? You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash techmovepodcast. And we have a lot of up-to-date information there, and you can socialize with us and other Tech Move listeners there. And of course, you can like us there. And we have contests all the time. In fact, I'm going to just put something out there right now. A while back, we we talked about um, we we gave a review of this USB outlet by Otherworld Computing. Yes. And I want to have a lightning contest right now. So if you're listening out there, go to the face go to our Facebook page. We're going to have a post about that outlet. The first person that likes it is going to get it. Ooh, oh, I like that lightning round. That's lightning good. Contest. Yep. And another thing that I I really want people to do, just do it now. Drop everything. You can even put our our podcast on pause if you want. Pause pause our podcast. Go to your web browser and go to techmovepodcast.com slash Amazon and buy something. just order it just put it in your cart and order it and if you have an amazon account you might even have a one-click thing so you just need to click on it and and you've bought it that's all you need to do it could be something small but hopefully it's something big where we can get a lot of commission on it and that'll definitely help out the podcast and we're we're trying to break our record for last week which uh will we re- which will remain nameless because we're so ultra wealthy because of it but uh yes we do want to break our record yeah. don't so tell we- the US government right no because we do want to buy cuba so uh we are in the midst of doing that uh yes do that through amazon and that would help out the podcast a great deal, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, also, lastly, we also want to mention that you can also listen to us on Stitcher. Just uh, search Tech Move, and you will find us there. It's a great service and uh, very easy to uh, find us there and listen to us uh, right there on Stitcher. So uh, plenty of ways to keep in touch with us here at Tech Move. Uh, hey, you know what? Uh I think there is some very important news that we should talk about, Keith. 
And that is uh, about this great new project that you have uh, that is already available for general viewership. Is that correct? It's a project that I've been working on. Well, I actually first recorded it last year, and it's just actually out on YouTube this last week. Kind of like our podcasts. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> There's a lot of care and dedication that go into these things, folks. So, Well, you know, films take a long time to make. And 21 of them takes a long, long time to make. 21 films? Really? Yeah, well, 21 videos. Nice. They're, nice. Uh, they're from 5 to 15 minutes each. And it's um, a really good organization called Applied Improvisation Network. And there are a bunch of improvisers. Some of them are business people. Uh, some of them are professional performers or comedians. Uh, they're, they're, they come from all walks of life, but they've realized the importance of impro improvisation in real life and in business. And so they, uh, they have this conference every year. And last year, there was a conference in San Francisco. And I happened to know some of them, and they asked me to uh, record it. And then later, they asked me to edit it and put together the whole shebang. And put it up on YouTube for them. Oh, that's very nice. Uh, I, I'm actually on the uh, YouTube uh, uh, page right now. Is, is this a page or is this a channel or what? what is this? I guess you could say right now that it's it's a channel. Uh -huh. um, I, I'm a little confused about how YouTube works and the channels and, and things like that. But right. but you can just go to our website and and uh, and there'll be a link to it. There'll yeah, be we'll some probably links. embedded video. Sure. Um, but the organization is called AINX. So if you just do a search on YouTube for AINX, you'll find it. And it's called AINX Talks. Right. Now, the, the funny thing is that the uh, uh, portions of the, uh, you know, screen captures that, you know, that the icons that are there on YouTube, uh, you know, it's just called the AIN 2012 whatever right world the, the, conference yeah what world conference whatever it is mm -hmm. so what is the x is is it like is this their 10th uh uh conference that they had they've had uh <laughs> is it is it the you know the x marks the spot of the ain talks uh you know be like an x, x and tic-tac-toe you know <laughs> just Exactly. <laughs> or is it just some cool little uh, ditty that that goes at the end of the uh, uh, the word to make it stand out? Uh, do you have any explanation for this, Keith? I demand one right now. I think right now X means unknown. I, I really the, don't. I really don't know. What you the know X what? Means. The answer you should be giving me is, you know what? I just shot the thing. I don't really know what that. I don't know what that X means. I don't know. I, I just shot it and put I, it together. I'm gonna, it's a very good question. I'm going to ask them. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask them. Well, I expect I a report back immediately. <laughs> we will post a new, a new podcast as soon as we know what that X means. So we'll give you an update next episode. Good, good. <laughs> I, I, that's a requirement uh, because I will, I, I am telling you, I'm going to lose sleep over this. So, uh, but hey, but in all seriousness, though, uh, uh, 21 videos, that is, uh, or 20, yeah, uh, short videos, I'm going to guess. Um, they're between five and 15 minutes. Some of the yeah. speakers were five minutes kind of short concepts and some were more longer between 15 and I think the longest one was like 17 or 18 minutes. Yeah. Nice. It, it, and is, are they pretty much like presentation type of things? Yeah. They're pretty much presentations. A lot of them had slides. 
um, and they would talk. They would they would click the slides, and then they talk about the slides, and or the slides would just be a background to some concept that they're talking yeah. about, like an illustration to some concept. One one person I think actually made a little film, and then showed the film. That was pretty much it. And huh. he talked a little bit at the beginning and end, but mostly it was it was them talking to the audience and and using the slides as kind of a material to to back what they were saying up. Well, you, you know, since uh, we are the leaders of uh, digital filmmaking, uh, <laughs> as far as podcasts, of course, the I got leaders. the leaders of uh, of that. Not uh, the followers. No, we're the leaders. <laughs> I, I, I did want to ask a couple questions now. Sure. I have yet to uh, see the video because I don't want to run it right now because I think the sound will probably bleed through the mic. <laughs> uh, but uh, anyway, it looks like, um, you know, it, it's kind of like in a conference room or, or not really conference room, but it's more like a... Uh, 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 like a auditorium or something like yeah. that. It's a. It was a pretty big room. It was actually done at Fort Mason, oh, in San okay. Francisco. Sure. And they have a one one really big. Um, I guess it's an auditorium when you first go in. Is it kind of like uh, theater seating type of thing? Um, no, actually, it's all the the floor is flat. It's not. It's okay. not a. Uh, it's not raised or stadium. Not raised. No, not raised, and and that was a little bit challenging because uh, I had to get my cameras high enough to get above people that were standing up, and right. had to be in a position where I wasn't getting blocked blocked all the time. And sure, and I had multiple cameras going too on this one, so I had several cameras. One, I was actually manning one camera right in the middle, and I was at, well, actually, it was manning three cameras, each with a different uh, focal length. Yes, so that I get a really wide shot, a kind of a close up, like from the chest up, and then a kind of medium like from the waist up or like mid mid leg up mm -hmm. and that would give me some coverage in case they moved around because these people were pretty animated the sure. presenters they would like walk around a lot or even run around and it was sometimes hard to keep them in frame so if if for whatever reason they got out of the frame i could cut to a big a larger wider angle so does so, that mean does that mean you did not have any handheld uh, uh like following your subjects around or or anything like that I had one other operator that was on the uh, the left side of the stage, um, so they got kind of a slight profile, like a three quarter mm -hmm. uh, point of view. And then I was operating uh, just right, right, straight on. And I, the one close up camera, I was moving around all the time. I had one camera mounted. To, uh, the medium camera was mounted to my close up camera, so whenever I moved my close up camera, I also moved the medium camera, hmm. um, so I could kind of keep. Uh, some some simple framing, but just wider point of view. Right. And then I had one stationary wide camera, just getting everything, including the slide presentation. And that was actually really helpful because whenever they would, whenever I needed to uh, show the slide, I had that available. Um, and I did that a lot, so people would be referring to the slide. So as for it to make sense, I had to cut to that wide angle, right? In the in the video, and then I cut back to the close up. You know, uh, as I look at some of these stills that are here. Uh, just like any other type of auditorium, uh, I'm sure lighting was a big concern and challenge for you. This particular venue was very, very challenging. Um, actually, it happens a lot when when you're in a situation where you have a projector. The the um, stage and the auditorium has to be kind of dark, um, just so the projection can actually be seen. Yes. So, uh, so it's actually it was actually pretty dark in there. And so I had all my, my, uh, camcorders up gain up pretty high, <laughs> which didn't necessarily help a lot with the visual quality, but 
luckily the ones I have are pretty sensitive, light sensitive. Mm -hmm. But then there was also this additional difficulty, which was, um, it was done during the day and it was in bright sunlight that, that it was daytime and it was pretty bright days that, that time of year, uh, lots of sunlight and, but the shades were closed, but, but there would be like a foot or a foot and a half wide breaks in the shades <laughs> where the sun would just be streaming through. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes the sun was just basically shining right behind the performers. So, so essentially making the performers uh, a silhouette. Well, it would have made them a silhouette, but I just exposed on them. So basically they just had this just total white out behind them. And then a little bit of uh, blooming, because that just happens when you're shooting something really bright and you're trying to expose something uh, dark. So you, you, you're basically overexposing the whole thing and you get this kind of blooming effect where it's just a bit overexposed and it's kind of bleeding into the subject. And that happened a few times. Mm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. It wasn't, it wasn't like completely, it was, it was, it wasn't uncontrollable, but it was definitely a challenge. And, and that's where I'm sure a lot of this multi-cam uh, shoot kind of helps. You can, if, if you're not digging it, you, you, you can cut away and do, do something else. If it's really bad, like if they're just totally washed out because of the the back intense mm-hmm. backlight that's right. going on, right? Then uh, I could cut to another angle that didn't have as much backlight, right? Uh, were you uh, limited to just the existing lighting in the room, or did you uh, add any of your own? Well, it, we didn't really agree upon any kind of lighting, and it was probably if we had planned it a little bit more, I probably would have suggested a bigger budget for more lights mm. um, and, and some, some lighting setup mm-hmm. beforehand. I actually brought a couple little lights of my own, pretty powerful lights, but just small. And I had, I had, um, I had them to the side just to give them a little bit of fill to kind of offset uh, that intense light that was behind them. So I gave them a little bit of fill, kind of aiming up at them uh, just enough to get a little bit of detail on their faces on their, on the shady side of their faces. So yeah, that I did have some lighting, but that was about it. And I didn't, there wasn't really space to set up trees and everything. It would have really changed the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. So I, I had to kind of keep it minimal anyway. But uh, when I do this again, I'm going to plan the lighting a little bit more, especially mm-hmm. if it's in a situation like this. Right, right, right. Uh, and what about, you know, usually in these auditoriums, uh, sound can be a problem. You know, they usually have one little you know, stage mic that's piped through these uh, little in-wall speakers or something. They're not really built for great sound or what have you. Um, how did you combat against that? Well, luckily, um, there was a pretty good sound crew that that had invested a lot in getting good mics and body body mics or um, headset mics. Mm-hmm. Most, most of the people had these fairly nice little semi-invisible headset mics on. So, uh, if you look at the videos, you'll see them. They're, they're the kind of, they're kind of flesh colored and they're pretty small. And they wrap around the neck or something. They kind of go, they fit into the ear and they just kind of go around the cheek. Okay. And, and they're kind of like the Madonna mics, you know, sure. the, the onstage mics yep. and, um, Madonna, I guess I'm dating myself. Now it's probably Lady Gaga mic, but <laughs> <laughs> what a, you know, whatever insert new, new blonde <laughs> sensational 
performer. I was going to say Frank Sinatra, but, <laughs> but then again, back then he was using tin cans and string so for microphones. So anyway. Uh, anyway. Uh, so, yeah. So the sound was actually pretty good for the most part. And I had um, a recorder right on the board, actually plugged in right into the board, a mm. little a little okay. recorder, but I also had the output. And I do this, I do this a lot. I, I never trust that somebody's going to just somebody at the board is just going to space out and pull my recorder out of its socket and throw it out the window when I'm not looking. So <laughs> because they needed more room for their coffee and donut. Yeah. Or maybe they spill the coffee right on top of it and they smush the donut into it. You never know. But <laughs> so what I do is I take the uh, headphone out of that little recorder or, in, or if it has a line out, I'll use the line out. In this case, there's a little headphone out and I plug that into a transmitter of my own and then i have a wireless receiver on my camera and then i'm monitoring that oh okay so i can always tell and that basically if that recorder gets turned off or the battery runs out or it gets unplugged i'll know it because i won't be able to hear it anymore in my in my feed okay uh just because the the transmitter is transmitting what that recorder is recording right so it's kind of my back and also it's a backup and i have a good sound on my camera too just in case something happened sure so uh so that's how I, I monitor it, but I don't have to run a, a wire for 100 feet. And uh, are all cameras recording sound? They're all recording sound, and they, they kind of have to be recording sound in order for my syncing to work. Right. Uh, because uh, that's how I, I use this application called Pluralize. Right. To, that then monitors the, it analyzes the audio waveform and then syncs all the clips together. It works pretty well with enough experience you get to work well. And uh, yeah, so they all have sound, but they don't have, you know, necessarily good sound. They just have whatever mics are on the camera and that's fine right. in this case. Right. I have, I have my nice, you know, 16 bit PCM recorder on the board. And then as a backup, I have it going into one of my uh, XLR mic inputs from the transmitter mm-hmm. on my, on one of my main cameras. So, so would the onboard sound on any of these uh, auxiliary cameras be completely unusable or in a pinch if something happened could they be used actually that's a really good question rod <laughs> you must be psychic thank you uh well <laughs> one thing that actually happened in the very first uh recording was i had all the sound i got there really early i i discussed it with the sound people i'm gonna plug into here this is my feed just you know just this this knob is my my knob don't touch don't, it don't touch anything <laughs> this is mine and and they they understood and and we, you know, we had uh, checked the sound with the previous performer because they had like a little intro that I didn't have to record. It wasn't one of the main acts, mm-hmm. and uh, and everything was right. I had monitored through my sound, and then they, I don't know why, but they changed the way that they were projecting the sound, and they removed my feed <laughs> right, right at the first performer. <laughs> like I was aiming the cameras, like there's no sound. I'm not hearing it, and. Uh, so, and then, so I just kind of, and I had to, but I had to operate the cameras, you know, get, get the visuals too. Mm-hmm. So I kind of locked my camera down so that it was kind of at least in a optimum spot. Luckily this performer wasn't moving around a lot. Right. And I, uh, you know, ran over to the mixer and figured out what was going wrong. And that took about three minutes. The whole presentation was, this was a long one. So I had, had a little bit of time. And then got the sound back to normal. But so for the first, the, for the first uh, maybe ten minutes until this was resolved, uh, 
I had to figure out which camera had the best sound. <laughs> oh man. Oh wow. Uh, uh-huh. You know, on their onboard mics in order to get some some kind of semblance of good audio. Right. And uh so so one of the cameras actually the one that was closest to the stage on the left uh had the best sound. So I, and it was a five channel uh system. It was one of the five point one AVCHD type camcorders. Okay. And so it has left, right, middle, sub, um, and two rears, you know, all, nice. all contained within this teeny little, you know, uh, spot on the camera. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, the, I guess the left channel was closest to the speaker that was actually had the good sound. Okay. So I used that for most of the, um, most of the part where the sound wasn't the direct feed and it didn't sound great, but it was better than nothing. Right. And, and, and I'm sure with a lot of post-production and stuff like that, you can kind of make those things work together. I, I made it, it, it certainly wasn't as good as the, the direct feed, but I actually ran it through a bunch of stuff. Right. Like an anti-reverb plug-in. There's actually, they actually make this, it analyzes the sound of reverb and can cancel it out. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's actually, you use it in really problem situations and... It, it removes the tail kind of reverb from the sound and just keeps the direct sound, but it doesn't in a digital way. It's not like a, like just cutting the sound off. It does it somehow by analyzing what the reverb signal is. So I used that a little bit and I did some other stuff and it wasn't great, but it was okay. Serviceable. It was serviceable. So yeah. So in that case, yeah, that the little, the little camcorder bailed me out. <laughs> nice. Good. Good. Yeah. Good. 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 Well, yeah. I, I, I guess that, you know, it always helps to when you have multi-cam and, um, you know, everything's working and hopefully you, 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 you run into some luck there. Yeah, actually, that's what having a lot of cameras can help. You yeah. know, uh, if one camera goes down for whatever reason, there are a couple times where, um, for whatever reason, I, I think I left the camera and uh, the camera head wasn't really balanced and so it just eventually started tilting up and up and up and up <laughs> towards the <laughs> ceiling. And I only left for like a minute. Uh, but when I came back, it was tilted towards the ceiling. So for that part of the video, I had to, I had to use another angle. But luckily right. I had several cameras. And oh, good. Nobody can tell. Right, 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 right. Exactly. <laughs> or sometimes people would get up, you know, like the person right in front of me, totally oblivious, would get up and just totally block my right. main camera. You know, cut to another angle. Sure, so. sure. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's great. Uh, you you know, in looking at uh, uh, some of these screen captures here, uh, and, and you know, with any kind of you know conference or meeting like this, they're usually all day events. So you know, like what we've been talking about, like the lighting in the room. Uh, I'm sure the lighting had to have changed throughout the day. Oh yeah, it did. It changed dramatically. It was really really bright in the in the morning time and then it got kind of at around noon because the sun was overhead there's actually less light streaming in through the window so it was a little bit darker right like from noon to maybe two or three and then about three or four it was again blazing <laughs> but it was from this a different side <laughs> <laughs> and it, and different color temperature too because as, as the sun gets a little later in the day it gets a little bit warmer so there are all these factors of changing Lighting, so I really couldn't use the same color correction settings for all the videos. I had to, and I had to do color a lot of color correction on these. 
I would, so. you know, I would imagine that, like, you know, even things as like, you know, cloudy days, you know, like in the morning, maybe clouds are, are are there in the morning, so it's this filtered light, and then in the, you know, in the later morning, it's just hard, you know, just striking light and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's it it changes. It it's it goes from early morning, which this wasn't really, but early morning starts kind of kind of reddish, and then it gets more bluish. And then later in the day, it gets uh, more reddish. Hmm. So there's just a color temperature shift going on all the time. And and so so one of the things, and then also there's just balancing between the different cameras too, because they have slightly different, well, they're different points of view. And also they have slightly different sensors. They're not all matched together, these right. particular set of camcorders. So I have to balance the cameras too. So I went through a pretty elaborate color correction process that was kind of scientific. Um, and I have a technique that I use when I'm trying to balance cameras as well as just get the thing to look good and fairly neutral. And uh, it's a bit involved to go in now. So maybe we can talk about what I did for this particular set of videos in a, in another episode and make it like a special Keith's color correction technique episode or something well, like that. I, I actually think that would be really, really good because I think that is a very interesting subject matter is color correction uh, because I definitely want to get into that for my own personal usage. Okay. Well, we'll do that. We'll yeah. maybe do it in the next episode or the one after that. So yeah. folks out there in the next one to two years, you might <laughs> listen to that particular segment. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> exactly. Because we spit them out so rapidly. <laughs> Hmm. Anyway, I, I could talk a long time about this, so maybe we'll we'll follow up a little bit later. And and us, actually, maybe if you have a chance to look at them, Rod, we can we can uh, after you've looked at them, we can talk about your impressions and more more about them. I I, I think that that would be good. Let's uh, give the uh, listeners again a way to find the videos on YouTube, folks. Uh, go to YouTube and uh, just do a little search for uh, A I N X talks uh so uh what what, what is the acronym again a-i-n applied it? improvisation network thank you uh and uh and then there's a little x at the end of which we are still unclear <laughs> of what the x stands for so it's ain x talks and uh do that search for youtube you can check out keith's 21 videos that are posted there all from varying lengths and uh so you guys check them out I'm going to check him out and we will berate Keith uh, the next time we talk to him uh, for things that we see, some things we noticed, and we will put him to the bare bulb uh, inquiry uh, the next time. So be ready, Keith. Be ready because uh, the okay. feet will be to the fire. I'm getting ready. Thank you. Thank you. Very okay. Uh, well, you know what? Let's take a break and uh, let's come back uh, with more great stuff. Uh, right here on uh, Tech Move. You know what, Keith? We've been inundated with a lot of great comments via our Facebook site, uh, via our website at techmovepodcast.com and other medium just by talking with people. 
about the podcast itself and how they're not only enjoying the content of it, but also uh, in some ways the technical aspect and how good it sounds. Uh, have you been getting a lot of comments yourself on that stuff? I actually have. And that's kind of gratifying because we put a lot of work into the quality of the show. Oh, we, we, we certainly have. And, you know, we thought it would be kind of interesting at this point, you know, a few episodes in to kind of talk about what goes on behind the scenes here at the Tech Move lo- uh, Laboratories, <laughs> where we are putting this stellar show together and what is involved. Um, so we'll kind of go over because, you know, we know a lot of you folks have thought about maybe doing a podcast yourself and all this kind of stuff. And we'll just share with you some of our uh, successes and not so great successes. Um, we've had we've had our share, wouldn't you say? I mean, we, we've tried everything to get this podcast off the ground. We really um, we really have tried everything. We actually started uh, thinking about doing a podcast about. I think was it March of 2011. <laughs> I think you're absolutely correct. Yes, and that's when it, we that's when we just touched base and said, "Hey, you know, it'd be kind of neat." I had this great idea, and then with much more exploratory <laughs> trial and error, we, we're still a fledgling podcast, but we we have several episodes out now. And so we had this idea in 2011, and then early, and this was actually based on the fact that Rodney had actually just gotten an iMac. So he had he had actually kind of gone over from from the PC world to the Mac world, and so we thought it would be interesting to make a podcast about that transition. Yeah, it it actually was not only that, but it was also I was getting into um, HDSLRs and and the, the the filmmaking aspect, and just wanted to change from from my old slow PC to a, a cool uh, creative editing machine that is a Mac. Right. So that made a lot of this possible, just the fact that, that Rodney and I were on the same computer so we could talk about it. And, and I'd been on the Mac for a long time, so I could, I could uh, give Rodney advice about how to use the new system. And, and so uh, we actually first started our attempt at it, I think, in January or February of 2012. Yes. Oh, and and if I may interject, and uh, I'm I might be getting a little ahead of myself, but ladies and gentlemen, if you go to techmovepodcast.com, you can see our first attempt <laughs> at the podcast. There, I think it's at the bottom of the page, yeah. but go there and check it out. Check it out; it's it's pretty exciting, right? But uh, we did survive, luckily. Uh, Although that wasn't too inaccurate, that video. <laughs> it's really not that inaccurate, frankly. No, it's not too far off from reality. No, it's not. Um, so so one of the things that we talked about, and I remember our talks, I actually can picture myself talking with you on the phone, phone about this. So one of the things was that Rodney and I actually don't live in the same, even in the same town. We live about like 30 miles apart. Correct. Like that. Correct. So, um, so we probably, we... we we did a few of our initial tests in person. Rodney came over to my house and we tried it out. And those are just these abject failure failures. We <laughs> <laughs> they sure were. We I, I, that's very kind. I think they're really called crash and burn, isn't it? Really, <laughs> crash crash is the operative word, <laughs> right? Yes, in every sense of the word. Yes, there are a lot of crashes. So, so one of the things that Rodney and I talked about before we even started even attempting to do this was. Do we want to do a video podcast or we want to do an audio podcast? 
And uh, I was always thinking it was it was always going to be an audio podcast, even though it was talking a lot about video. And 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 the reason that I thought is that I actually am a pretty avid uh, podcast listener. I subscribe to dozens of podcasts, and I listen to a lot of them. I listen to them while I'm doing stuff. I subscribe to a lot of video podcasts as well, but I hardly ever get a chance to watch the video podcasts. Whereas I'm usually running out of the audio podcasts to listen to. Um, you know, I go through them, you know, 10 or 12 of them in a week. You mean that while you're in the car, you'll be listening to the audio podcast, but you will not be watching the video podcast <laughs> while driving? Is that what you're saying? There are some things that I, I'll do almost anything driving, but I won't watch a video podcast while driving. Now that's <laughs> shocking to me. Shocking. No, but you're right. It, 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 it's when we were talking about it, I remember that it was a lot easier, uh, it, at least for what we envisioned our listenership to to do, which was to just listen to to the stuff that that we're interested in. I think it's just, I mean, I think that video podcasts have their place, but they're almost yeah. like a TV show that you have to sit down, pay attention to, watch. You really have to. That's all you're doing. You really can't have a video podcast going on in the background. It just doesn't work. That's right. So, so there are some good, really good video podcasts out there that that probably have some pretty good viewership. But there's far more audio podcasts that actually that people actually listen to th the whole thing. So, so we just made a decision there, and also it's just going to be a lot easier. And a lot of audio podcasts have a video component to them, where usually it's a webcam that's trained on the person talking, and they're they're really quite boring. And and. <laughs> I mean, honestly, they are. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I think some of them might be informative if they're playing things, you know, like tutorials or things like that 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 have information. But for the most part, the that actual those segments where you really need visuals is is f very sparse. It doesn't happen very often. So we just made our lives a lot simpler by well, we thought <laughs> by making an audio only podcast. Well, you know, and what's a, a, another funny thing is that, you know, who in the world is going to want to sit there for like an hour and watch you and I with headphones on talking into microphones? I mean, who who wants who wants to see that? Eh, you know, yeah. and, uh, unless we're staging kung fu combat or something like that, nobody's going to want to watch that. No, although that's a really good idea. Thank you. I will be <laughs> that that will be our next podcast. Video podcast. Keith and Rodney's Kung, Kung Fu, Fu Combat, <laughs> playing at your local theater. We'll be shooting that in HD at 60 frames per second. So we decided to do a few of the initial forays into it uh, in person so we could just test the stuff out. And we had this plan to, we're going to get our first podcast done today. Uh, Rodney came over with his iMac and we proceeded to have, to try out some of the technology that we'd we'd explored and, and thought that was actually going to work. Um, so one of the things we tried to do, first of all, we wanted to see if we could use Skype to record uh, remotely. Um, and because almost all podcasters do that when they're, when they're actually uh, recording remotely, they actually use Skype. Um, there's also other options out there. Skype seemed like the most common, but we didn't necessarily want to suffer through some of the problems of Skype. And so what we decided to do was to use Skype as more of a monitoring thing so we could communicate remotely over the internet, uh, talk to each other, listen to each other, and, and be in real time, but also record our signal, our, our own microphone signal locally on our computer and just have the Skype track as a reference. 
So we did a little bit of lookup on the internet about how to do that. And uh, apparently there were some, so there were some things that people used to do that. And uh, so we initially tried this uh, public domain software called Soundflower. <laughs> My favorite. <laughs> Both of our favorites now. Actually, Soundflower is a really universal um, application that's used a lot in all kinds of even professional audio apps. Actually utilized um, some of the Soundflower uh, plugins to actually make their stuff work. So I was actually not unfamiliar with Soundflower. For example, I use a program called Audio Hijack Pro, which is a great program. Um, and it's used to record various audio from various applications that's that are running on your Mac. Uh, they actually use Soundflower as, as an integral component to them to actually rewire the system so that they can grab audio from certain inputs and outputs and redirect it. So the idea was to, for Soundflower to be configured in such a way to redirect the Skype output as well as our FireWire interfaces output to to an audio file, uh, actually to GarageBand uh, to to make it a kind of a pseudo input device, so that GarageBand could actually uh, select that as an input device and then record it on various tracks. Now l let me interject here. We had done a lot of research with regards to you know some really great advice from. Uh, uh, folks out there who, who have been doing this for a while and we pretty much followed them to the letter as far as what they were using and how we could use it and maybe in some ways try to use some of our um, semi-pro stuff that we've got lying around and, uh, and, uh, and, and use that in conjunction uh, with all the other things that are suggested on the internet. Right, right. And both Rod and I have some some quite a bit of experience in pro audio yeah. and we have some pretty good equipment. So we thought, Oh, well we can just do this and, yeah, and it'll work. Oh, and it'll be perfect. And we'll sound, we'll sound like we're, we'll, we'll, we'll be getting Grammy nominations for best engineered show and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. At least that's what I was expecting. I don't know if you were expecting <laughs> that, but I was, um, but the problem was it actually worked okay, but, uh, until I crashed, <laughs> Worked okay for a few minutes until <laughs> Rodney's computer crashed. And you know what, folks? That is absolutely no lie. It worked for literally a few minutes, and then my iMac, my brand new iMac, would just crash and 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 just die. Yeah, and we just and I would have to hard restart and everything. Yeah, I mean, literally like a hard power restart on the Mac, and. uh and Rodney was using a pretty nice uh, FireWire audio interface at this point. I was actually, I didn't have as many problems with it because I was actually using a different, I was using a USB interface and it seemed like the USB interface didn't cause crashes as much as the FireWire interface when in, in conjunction with Soundflower and all the stuff we were doing. So, uh, but we just kind of kept trying to plug through it. And finally we got into a, into a situation where it was fairly stable, like if Rodney Rodney set it up and never touched his computer. We could maybe get through a session. Right. So the first couple shows are done with that uh, system. But the problem was that after listening back to the show, I had problems. My my audio, even though I never crashed, my audio started having all this weird staticky noise in it. Like obviously, it was kind of like weird uh, gerbled digital noise. Yeah, yeah, it was like digital static, and it would just come and go, and it made a lot of the tracks that I recorded locally unusable uh luckily I, we were also recording the skype track 
because what happens is Rodney records my audio through his Skype connection. So it's my audio going through the internet through Skype, and then he records it on his computer. Luckily, that did not have that weird digital static. So in a lot of cases for the first few episodes, we actually had to wind up using the Skype part of the call, even though it was not as high quality and had some of the Skype artifacts that happens. And, and just as an aside, Skype can record pretty good audio, but it's unreliable. If you have any kind of internet glitch, a little bit of slowness in your internet, you can get distortion. It will occasionally drop. It, it also tends to compress the signal a lot and makes it a little bit too compressed and a little bit unnatural. So it, while it, it, it sufficed for these emergencies where I didn't have any good local audio, it's not something that I would choose to use if I had a choice. It, it, it's totally our disaster recovery plane. Yeah. And luckily we had it because we recovered several audio, <laughs> several hours of bad audio we, that I'd we, recorded. We'll, we'll we'll get to that a little bit later in the story, but yes, it does move into that situation. Right. So, but because of this weird static that I was having and just the overall instability with, with Skype and Soundflower and GarageBand working together, uh, we searched for a, another solution. And I was just doing a search on, I was kind of desperate and I was doing some more searches on the internet for things, for things that might work. Um, and I actually f found this, uh, app, really simple app. It's called, uh, it's made by this company called Ecamm, E-C-A-M-M. -M. They make a lot of other products like webcam software and, and I think they even have some hardware devices, but they have this one really simple app called Call Recorder. And, uh, it's actually about, it's 20 bucks, so it's not free. But they have a trial that lasts for at least a week, and it's fully functional, so you can actually test it out, and it works. Uh, so we tried it. We both tried it. We, I said to Rod, why don't you try this, Rod? I'll try it, and then we'll see what happens. And I think for you, Rod, you've, you've never had a problem with it. I have never had a problem, and it is so darn easy. I mean, it works great because, okay, l let's review real quickly. Before in our first uh, couple of podcasts, we were using Soundflower. We had to go into the MIDI, the the, the MIDI section of the of, of the OS, right? Isn't that, isn't that yeah? Correct? There's an actual obscure app on the Mac called the Audio MIDI app, Audio slash MIDI app, right? And we had to make all kinds of changes there. We had to uh, we we had to set up uh, what what was that term called? Were uh, aggregate devices. Holy mackerel! I mean, it it was just so involved. What we what we got, and yes, it did work. But um, I personally think that the Soundflower app just didn't like my iMac, and it and it made me crash because it always seemed to crash once I needed to to do something, uh, adjust something uh, in Soundflower. Right, and then and then for me, even though it didn't make me crash, there was something wrong. I think with the digital clocking, because all the digital devices have to have this clock that they reference to, so they can all stay in sync. Right, and I think that my USB uh, device, basically, it's a it's it's a really neat unit. It's a Shure um, X2U. It's got an XLR input on one side and a USB output on the other side, and it's got a headphone jack and then several dials to mix it and and do the gain for some reason that device didn't clock right with what Soundflower wanted. And I tried all the, all these different clocking schemes and I would still get this digital noise. Would, and I think that was just clocking drift where it was just sync, not syncing up. Yeah. So, so for me it was bad, not, a, not crashy bad, but pretty bad. 
Um, and then for Rodney, it was just crashy bad. <laughs> yeah, mine. And and just just to let everyone know, I was attempting to use a pre Sonus Inspire uh, Firewire um, uh, recording device, right? Uh, uh, plugged into the computer, and I still think that that thing is great. Uh, but I just don't think it 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 didn't mix well with the Firewire with the Sound Flower and all this kind of stuff. So yes. So anyway, all that we get to the uh, voice recorder, uh, the call recorder uh, program from Ecamm, and uh, you are correct. I have not had a problem. It is so darn easy to use. It's uh, it's like a plug into Skype. And so now, rather than having to get to those things, like I was originally saying, you know, you got to open up Soundflower, you had to open up the MIDI thing, you had to open up GarageBand, set all these things. Now it's, we're, we're pretty much at a point where we just launch Skype, call recorder automatically comes on, and uh, here we are, kids. Yeah, the call recorder is, it's kind of how software should be designed, in my opinion. It's actually pretty simple. It, it doesn't have a lot of dials uh, when you first start it up, and but it, it actually just works. Uh, it's set up by default to just start recording when your call starts. It works right out of the box. It's re- yeah. It really is terrific. I mean, like, had we known this before, uh, you know, we obviously would have gone, you know, this route, you know, from minute one. Yeah, we would have used it from the beginning. And so I would advise anybody who wants to use this semi somewhat complicated way of recording locally as well as recording the Skype, uh, I would recommend Call Recorder. Spend the 20 bucks and get it. Um, we're actually going to – they're actually um, also offered to give us a, um, a license. So we're going to be including uh, in one of our upcoming contests – I think we're going to be probably continuing this segment. This is going to be a – a long segment that's going to be continued over one or two episodes. Um, so I think in the next, um, the tech of tech move segment, that's what we're calling this. We're going to be giving away um, a free license to call recorder. That, and that is great because it is a terrific uh, little program. We love it. Uh, and it's, it's allowing us to have this really terrific recording that we hope you guys are enjoying right now. Right. So, so using call recorder makes it a lot, a lot simpler and stay more stable for doing this recording. But then how do we actually combine both of our local tracks um, so that the two locally recorded good sounding tracks, the non Skype tracks are actually in sync. So that's a somewhat involved process and it's not, it's not really that complicated once you get it down. It's actually pretty easy, but uh, it's not, it's not trivial either. Uh, so the way the call recorder works is it actually records a .mov file, um, and in the it's essentially a stereo uh, QuickTime file. Um, all QuickTime files, I don't know why they don't record it as a .aif or something because it, all it is is audio. But I think I think it's actually because the call recorder supports video as well as audio, and if you just don't have a uh, webcam, then it just uses the audio part of it. So I think that's why it creates an MOV, which is fine with me. Um, I, I, I'm used to using MOVs for all kinds of editing and, and manipulation of files. So, so anyway, so what happens is we both have these local .mov files, which are just basically like stereo files. Um, one, one side of the stereo, cha- one channel, like the left channel, has 
Rodney's Skype on it. And in the case of my my local my recording, the left channel has Rod, Rodney's Skype, and then the right channel has has my local recording. Then really good quality audio. And then on Rodney's side, he's doing the same thing, but in the in this case, his his left channel has has Keith Skype, and his right channel has his local Rodney recording. Yeah, it's all vice versa. Yeah. So then, so after we're done with uh, recording, and and another thing that we do is we actually don't necessarily record a whole episode at once. We'll we we tried to do that, but it, uh, because of our schedules, it was just too difficult to do that. So, so yeah. we actually wind up uh, recording segments. So we have a when we like can, filmmaking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this this podcast is a lot like filmmaking. It's right. a lot of it's make believe, and. <laughs> 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 exactly. I wouldn't exactly say fake, but there's a lot of um time shifting going on. There sure is. <laughs> um so we we set aside enough time whatever our time schedule uh, accounts for and we record a segment or two and then we also record bumpers and things that'll make an episode that we're putting together make sense. Um things that extra things. A bumper is an intro or an outro to a particular segment. That's kind of the industry term for it. But um, so anyway, so Rodney has his um, local recordings and then he actually FTPs it to me um, over. And you actually, maybe you can explain that, that process, Rodney. Yeah. Well, let me just share with you that because they are MOV files, they're pretty darn big. So there's, you know, there's certainly not, they're, they're, they're not compressed. They're not, you know, little files. Uh, and especially the way Keith and I record, where we just pretty much, you know, hit the record button and let it roll. And um, we will, you know, kind of chop them down to to fit our, our timelines and stuff like that. Uh, so, yeah, so just to just to um, clarify that they're MOV files and but inside the MOV files is uncompressed PCM audio. So it's not even compressed audio. It's not like an MP3. It's actually uncompressed. So it is taking up a lot of space. Yeah. They're they're huge files. I mean, like, you know, you and I could be talking for an hour. And when I when I'm done with the finished product, uh, you know, sometimes the the files like what? Like two or three gigs in, in, in size. Could be. Could be. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh so what I usually have to do is I will have to uh, zip them up. I'll compress them myself. Uh, the these MOV files, and then I will FTP them uh, to Keith. Uh, we use a a great uh, little uh, piece of software for FTP. And uh, what is it called? Yummy Light, I believe it's called. Yeah, Yummy FTP Light. Mm-hmm. Yummy FTP Light, and uh, it's a great little pro. Very simple to use. Uh, it's really, it, it's just like call recorder, simple to use, just plug in the necessary, uh, information that you need to for, for, uh, uh, both, you know, for, for where you're trying to FTP to. And I just let it run overnight. I I'll upload this, you know, this two gig file, uh, or when it gets compressed, it's, it's about like half or something, half the size, which is still big. I mean, if you're two, then you go down to one gig, but you know. Um, so I FTP that, let it go overnight. And, uh, because, you know, when it comes to my internet service, which I'm <laughs> too cheap to get anything, you know, really super good, uh, it takes a better part of 10 hours for me to FTP it to Keith. So 
Why not let it run overnight? Right, right. We do a lot of FTPing back and forth, and so it's it's okay. It just takes a while, but then eventually it gets there, and then usually Rodney will tell me that it's done, and then I'll check it. Yeah. And, and oh, oh, you you want to tell them how we used to use a uh, uh, Dropbox? Yeah, we we, we, act, we had actually tried that for a while, kids. And, uh, you know, but because of the two gigabyte limit, you know, obviously, you know, when, when I'm telling you about how big these MOVs are, uh, that's going to go in a hurry. Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, Keith can offload them and then we can free up space. Yeah. And, and that's how we did it before. But, uh, the FTP, uh, was a lot better because I, I think actually now, um, it's almost like a, a holding site for pretty much all of my files. Yeah, it's like your your cloud backup system now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's, it's actually my website. That's right. They're probably going to discontinue my service soon. That's right. Too much stuff. Too much bandwidth. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, one of the things about Dropbox, I mean, people, Dropbox is actually pretty cool. Oh, we, we it was it worked great for us. It was yeah. for, for I think for us though it was kind of like a space limitation uh and also was, down download speed lim- for me downloaded up, upload speed limitation it's it, i think it's throttled a little bit ah uh, mhm i i was finding mm-hmm. that i was having it was taking a long time for me to download those large files sure i th- i think with smaller files dropbox is excellent i think with larger files i'm not convinced it's the fastest thing out there um and then also sometimes it drops a connection. And anyway, so this FTP thing turned out to be a really simple solution, very private. Um, it's got passwords and things like that. It's in an area that people can't get to except for Rod and me. Right. So it, it's a very simple thing. And it's just ours. It's just for this podcast and for it's us. It's just for <laughs> us. It's a little piece of the internet, just of right. our on our own. Just our little corner. <laughs> so uh so then I download it, and my download takes about three minutes. And <laughs> is that all? No, it's it's pretty short because I've got a really fast internet connection. That's disgusting. And, and, uh, <laughs> That's really disgusting. Yeah, it's mostly just me waiting, like looking at my watch, like how long is it going to take Rod to upload this file? <laughs> and, then, <laughs> it, 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 and you know what's what's great, folks, is that as I record this, it'll probably take the following afternoon for Keith to receive my file. <laughs> yeah. So I get the file. Once I get the files, I and they're usually more than one file. Uh, we usually when we record a segment, we'll we'll do do the segment, and then we'll stop it. And that way, the each file isn't too huge, and that way they make a little bit more sense when we're syncing when I'm syncing them up later. So then I get the files, and I get my files that I record with uh, Ecamm Call Recorder, and I actually put them into Premiere Pro. And I just basically drag them into Premiere Pro. I, I have a I have a Tech Move project that has all the Tech Move recordings that we've done from the beginning. Eventually, I think I'll probably need to start a new file because it's getting pretty big now. But uh, I'm still using the same file, and I create a sequence with uh, all those different MOV files. Really, it's just two two tracks or four tracks actually. Um, two for the my local recording and two for uh two for my recording and then two for Rodney's recording that he's FTP to me. So there's four tracks. And then I actually um export that as a final cut XML file from Premiere Pro. 
Uh, and the reason for that is that um, this other program that I used, which is a great program called Plural Eyes, um, it's actually, I think Red Giant actually bought them, but it used to be a company called Singular Software. And uh, let me just look this guy's up na- this na- guy's name up. I think his name is Bruce Sharp, but let me just verify that. Is Plural Eyes used in video editing as well? It's actually primarily used in in video editing. I'm just I'm just using it as a um, I'm using it for audio to. Yeah, I, I I see a lot of folks you know using that in some of their final edits and stuff like that. Yeah, um, actually, Pluralize is a kind of an amazing piece of software. Just as an aside, um, I'm using it because it suits perfectly uh, for what I'm for what we're doing for the podcast. But uh, Pluralize will will analyze the audio tracks of all the different video tracks that you've recorded on different camcorders for a particular shoot. And if the audio matches, like if you're recording the same subject matter, um, the audio will basically match. It might sound a little bit different because of the microphone placement or whatever on each camcorder, but it matches them all up and it actually will realign the clips in the sequence so that all the clips are aligned. And it's pretty much just eliminated the need for any kind of time code uh, syncing when you're doing a multicam shoot, um, it's just amazing. I use it all the time. It's got little quirks and things, and, and actually it's improved over the years. Initially, it was not quite as as robust as it is now and as, as accurate, but it's gotten better. And then I think they were just bought by Red Giant Software. So I think this guy, Bruce, so Bruce Sharp is the, is the creator of Pluralize. He's also the creator of this other piece of software, which I'll tell you about later. It's, it's part of the post-production process that we go through for TechMove. But uh, anyway, so I, I import into Pluralize, I open that XML file of that sequence I've created, and I have it churn through and analyze all the different uh, audio waveforms. Basically, it's just the four uh, file, four tracks, uh, which are Rodney and me. And then it, it will, will then, X, and then from there, it creates another XML file with all the alignment happening. And it's usually perfect because it's a very simple thing to synchronize. It's just Rodney and me and it's two Skype tracks and two local tracks. And it just has to synchronize them all so that they're in line. So then I import that back into Premiere Pro, uh, get that sequence and everything's all lined up. And then I proceed to edit it and put it into an episode. Yeah, that's a lot. (laughs) And and you know, what's great is that uh, ladies and gentlemen, Keith does all the work. I don't do a thing but talk. <laughs> so all this, I'm, I'm I'm hearing it for the first time, like you are, kids. So, hey, Keith, thanks a lot for doing all that work. No, Rod, you do your share of work. I sure do. I do all the talking. <laughs> That's not true. You do all the talking. I'm really, I'm really just here as a pretty face. I, 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 I really realize that now. Well, wasn't it one of our friends um, at Divergent Media said that? They have this host that kind of stops the conversation, right? And which works, is excellent. <laughs> that works really well, right? So and, and Rodney's the host that stops the conversation. <laughs> I am the proverbial curb in the road. <laughs> the <laughs> I I am that stick that you put in the spoke of a tire that just will lo- just lock everything up. That's me. Uh- Apparently, that's a really good thing to have in a podcast. Supposedly. I don't know why, but okay, I'll take that. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> but yeah, but you know, it, I'm very pleased with the way the podcast sounds, you know, uh, from episode to episode. You know, even in our first ones, uh, they, they still sounded great. 
uh, I, you know, I think that it's just like anything, you, you know, it's, it's just like your, um, uh, your editing, uh, experience, right? You're just trying to find things that make it a little bit easier, a little bit faster, a little bit less complicated. That's right. That's right. So, you know, one of the things that we're getting better at is we're, we're getting a better at planning, uh, how we're going to do the podcast. Yeah. We're, we're getting, um, a little bit better at uh, some of the technology and making things simpler, like using call recorder. Um, and uh, it's just going to get easier and easier. Um, I think that part of it too is just the being able to record kind of under the gun. Yeah. And not make a lot of mistakes, which would need to be edited out later. You know, that's part of it all. Some, a lot of podcasts don't do any editing at all. Not like really, they just, you maybe, think, <laughs> and you know, and this is the thing that actually kind of surprises me. And I think we should maybe end this segment, end this segment for this particular episode here, um, and continue it on because there's actually a lot more that, that has to happen before it becomes a podcast. Oh yeah. Um, but one of the things that we really wanted to do because we were, our, our podcast was going to be about, uh, technology and, and uh, digital cinema and excellence in that area. We really wanted our podcast to be to sound technically excellent, and uh, so that was what we strive to do. And it's really surprising not to put down. There's some really great po- podcasts with great oh, con- content the, out there. A lot of them are excellent out yeah. there. A lot of them are great. I mean, a, a, in some ways, more pro than what we've got too. A lot of them are. Yeah. But but there's also a lot of them that have really great content and really great people on them, but they don't sound that good. Right. You know, it's kind of like they're just recording with their built-in mic on their laptop. And right. you can tell that they're... Their USB headphone slash gaming headphone with mic on yeah, it. Yeah, maybe. And and they're they're clipping and they're overloaded or yeah. this, there's a lot of room noise. Um, and for the most part, you know, probably people don't really notice that or really care. And maybe our podcast is maybe even too clean. You know, it's kind of got that NPR, you know, put put you to sleep like cleanness to it. Right. But right. um but I think I would prefer to have that cleanness. And and the reason there's a couple of reasons for that. Um like the main reason is that people listen to these podcasts in non-ideal environments. They're not necessarily listening to them with headphones and isolated uh environments where they can really uh have the best quality playback system and no other ambient noise to listen to like for example listening in the car it's really noisy usually and when you have a podcast that's recorded with all this extra in the original recording all this extra ambient noise and not a very good clean recording it's kind of hard to hear um and just so having a really clear recording just makes it that much more enjoyable especially in a non-ideal listening environment so that's that's one reason and then another reason is we're tech move we got to be we got to sound good. <laughs> That's right. And, 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 you know, and I know that I want, and I shared this with you when we first start, started talking about it, I really wanted this to have a radio quality to it. Right. And, uh, and, and, and I think for the most part, we're achieving that. And uh, I'm very pleased with it. Yeah, I am too. And I, and I knew we could get there. It just sure. took a little, took a little bit of. <laughs> well, it only took about like five years for us to get the first one off the ground. Yeah, but now we're really rolling. We're rolling. We're rolling. Now we'll put out an episode once a quarter. Once a awesome. quarter, right? Instead of awesome. once a year, that's a, that's a four hundred percent improvement. We are on our way. Chart that. 
put a pie chart on that and let's uh let's take it to print. That's awesome. Well, you know, we should maybe end this particular uh portion of the tech of Tech Move Keith and uh let's continue this on in our next episode of the podcast. Uh, and let's talk about some of those other nitty gritty stuff, like the 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 sinking and and uh, all that other stuff. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna in the next episode we're gonna talk in the tech of tech move. We're gonna talk about um, how we turn this uh, Premiere Pro sequence that is synced into an actual podcast. Yeah, so got a lot more to talk about. We've got a lot more experiences to share with you. And we will do that on the next episode. Uh, But until then, uh, we are going to take a little break right here. And we will come back with more right here on Tech Move. So uh, we're going to be doing something a little different. We're actually going to be talking about some of Rod's gear. (laughs) This is going to be great. (laughs) Thank you, Keith. So Rodney actually has his own set of of uh, of gear that he has acquired over the years, and a lot of it's functional, and a lot of it's really interesting. And so, so Rod, what have you actually what have you actually gotten lately that you'd like to talk about? Well, uh, you know w- what this uh, is, is, what this segment is going to do, and and this is what we always envisioned, folks, was that uh, you know Keith being the professional and me being the complete amateur, and uh, and talking about these two worlds coming together. Well, this is where I think it comes together because Rod Louie now has a DIY jib. That's right. That's right. I got myself a jib. What do you think of that, Keith? That's great. And <laughs> and so you can do all those uh those great jib shots. And right. I guess I guess for people that don't maybe, maybe there's some people out there that don't know what a jib is. I can't even talk? well, I I will describe mine, but why don't as a professional, why don't you describe what the jib actually does? It basically allows you to to change the elevation of the camera uh in time. So you can actually have a shot that goes from low to high, and also it 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 keeps the angle uh, of the camera at the same pointed in the same angle the whole time. So when it's low, it adjusts for that it's level, and then when it's in the middle point, it's still level. And even when it's so, it's continually adjusting to keep the camera level. And you can also um, rotate it around. So it's a boom. It allows you to stick your camera out in a distance, either low or high, and actually move it at the same time. And, you know, I have to thank you for that, because that is a terrific description of what it does. I mean, like, if I would have described it, it would have just sounded even as goofy as how much I paid for this thing. So, <laughs> which was? Which was? Well, well, you know, in reality, it cost, it was about 75 bucks for, uh-huh. for, for the whole thing. Uh-huh. Um, and, and, I'll ex- and I'll explain why. Uh, I have the very, very good fortune of having a brother-in-law who is a machinist and he's a terrific machinist. He, 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 he can make, you know, he, he can make all kinds of neat stuff. And, uh, you know what he did, he, he's done a couple things for me. 
uh, already, of which I'll talk about, you know, in, in future shows. But this one I wanted to talk talk about is his Peace Day Resistance, because this jib is so terrific. I really, really love it. Let me start off by saying that it was, and I must give full credit uh, to uh, a couple of great uh, sites and uh, um, uh, web channels that are out there. Uh, I think uh, Olivia Tech is uh, is one of the names, and uh, also CheesyCam.com. Is that right, Keith? Yeah, actually, those are two sites that probably every... They're really popular sites, and they're actually really good sites. They, I, I, they... I find them very entertaining, and uh, they're so... Uh, uh, they do great, great work over there, and I, I really appreciate it. Yeah, anybody who has any inkling to to get a little bit less expensive gear or doing some DIY, do-it-yourself type projects, those are great sites for that. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, the guy over at uh, Cheesy came in. I'm sorry I don't know your name if you're listening, but... Uh, I think his name, he goes by M. I don't know his full name, but he's always E-M-M. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. Well, M, thank you very much for all the 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 information that you provide to me because uh, I actually go along uh, with a lot of the stuff that you talk about. And same thing with uh, Olivia over at Olivia Tech. Uh, so my jib is based on a jib that uh, Olivia had uh, had demonstrated on her website. And it was a DIY project. So we, we uh, my brother-in-law and myself, um, uh, looked at her video and and you know and kind of investigated what was going to be needed to do this. And uh, you know, with, with the investing of of some of these parts and stuff like that. Now, let me also preface by saying, uh, I have no handiwork ability whatsoever. None. I mean, I find it troubling to have to change a light bulb, uh, that can be very daunting for me. So to actually put together a DIY jib was going to be, you know, just forget it, you know? And so when I, uh, had my brother-in-law help me with this, he did such a spectacular job with the, you know, with the, uh, the aluminum, um, uh, uh, I don't know what you would call them. Heck, aluminum Tube. tubes, yeah, square, right? Square, square tubes. The, those uh -huh. aluminum square tubes, mm -hmm. and 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 then the the angle brackets to kind of put them together. We used some uh, some uh, uh, I think they call them Teflon washers for a little bit smoother guidance uh, and stuff like that. We uh, and you know, I'll, I'll spare you from all that ridiculousness. But I think one of the greatest factors of, of trying to do a DIY for yourself is that you can use a lot of existing things that you've got lying around the house or maybe things you've accumulated over the years. Now, when I say that, what I mean by that is that, so I took this new jib that I got and I put it on this, what has to be 15 to 20 year old piece of junk tripod that I have. That is so weak, it, it, you know. I'm. I, it support. It should support like maybe a five pound camera. I mean, it's it's very thin tube. It's a it's a uh, it's extendable. You know, to about I don't know. I'd say about like four feet high or something. And uh, but it's just a small little thin tripod. And I put this jib on it, 
which is, you know, pretty heavy because of the counterweights and all this kind of stuff that we have on it, plus my GH1 uh, that's on the other end. And, you know, Keith, it works fantastic. I mean, you know, it's probably not going to be something that you would really like, but I think it works just dynamite. It it, it gets this great shot of of uh, of just smooth elevation, you know, up mm-hmm. and down and. And you can even move the 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 tripod head to to kind of get this swinging shot. Oh, it's just great! I just love it. Yeah, jib shots are so. Just adding a jib shot to your production, it just adds this professional quality to it. That once you have one or two jib shots in it, you just move up a level in the cinematography. Yeah, <laughs> and, and especially with mine that was made for seventy bucks. And it, <laughs> but 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 you know the thing about it that that that's really so great is that well it, it's great and it's not great because by no means is this thing portable right it's not like you can take it on your like family vacation and start taking jib shots everywhere you know it, it, you know I'm carrying around these like you know what seems to be ten pounds of counterweights because the camera is so heavy on one end uh you know you got. You know the, the thing is is not small by any means. So, so how long? So how long tubes did you wind up using? Uh, we, we I, uh, it's like uh, I think it's like three foot, three and a half feet tubes. Uh huh. And it. just and so how far does the camera extend out? Like the, at the farthest from the tripod? Uh, the, the the at at its at the top height of where I can get it right now, I would say is about oh, I would say about seven and a half feet. Uh-huh. So you you linked a few of the tubes together. I'm sorry. One more time. Did you did you link a few tubes together to get that extension? Uh, no, we did not. No, it's just uh uh, it, it, it's just the two tubes. So the tubes are probably more like eight feet, eight foot long tubes. Uh, I don't think they're that oh, long. Oh, I see what you mean. When you're when it's elevated up above the tripod, that's right not above yet. the tripod. Correct. Yes, but they stick out about three feet. That is correct. Okay. Exactly. Exactly. So, you, you know what, folks? What we're also going to do is we're going to make some improvements uh, or additions onto our website, Facebook page, uh, and we're going to take some either stills and or video of some of these things that we're talking about, and we'll, we'll show we'll show you how it turned out for us, and uh, and uh, we we think you'll be quite interested because uh, this thing. We're great. I, I, I debuted it. Uh, actually, my brother-in-law, when he was done with the project, uh, putting on the final touches at, at his workshop in his garage, um, we had a family gathering, and it was a picnic. And so, uh, you know, I had the tripod there. I had the camera out there. And, you know, we, we you know everyone's, like, having a good time doing their party thing. We're off in the corner, like, working this jib like we're a bunch <laughs> of idiots out there. And so, so we're off in the corner, like, like completely unsocial, right? And we're there. Oh yeah, this thing moves smoothly. Oh, oh boy, look at this thing. This thing is fantastic. You know, it, <laughs> but you know, the the end product was so great. Uh, it, it, I just loved it because you know you get these things from like people sitting around on the grass, and then it just elevates up to these, you know. Uh, breeze blown tree leaves and stuff like that. It's so whimsical. Fantastic. I loved it. I loved it. Worth every dime. 70, 75 bucks. But you know what? I do have to say, it is difficult to put together. If you're not mechanically inclined, handy, or any of that stuff, 
you know, I mean, it, it, you could you could do it, but it's just that, you know, it'll take you a little bit of time and you might lose a couple of fingers or something like that when you're drilling stuff. But uh, other than that, hey, go ahead and tackle it. Yeah. It, you know, if you have the here's the thing. I love DIY stuff. Yeah. I mean, my, you know, my garage is basically a big DIY uh, either failed or in process <laughs> projects and uh, nothing's actually finished, <laughs> but, but great attempts, but you know, sever- and uh, you know, if you have the time and you, and it's fun for you to do uh, it's great. And I, and it's actually fun. Like I do a lot of stuff myself and it's a lot, it's a lot of fun to do it. It's just that right now I don't really have time to produce uh, this stuff. Yeah. It's just, I mean, maybe if I need to maybe drill a hole in some, something I'll do that or tap it. So it has a quarter 20 screw. I'll, I'll do that myself, but I just don't have a lot of time to do this stuff anymore. You know, I right. do other stuff. So, um, but I think if you do have the time, it's a great endeavor and it's fun and it's great that your brother-in-law is willing to, you know, sacrifice his skilled labor to <laughs> donate well, to your project. And, and, you know, I was thinking about what you said that if you have the time, I, Hey, I got plenty of time cause my brother-in-law is the one doing it. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> That's really generous. So, is he into continuing to do this for you? He is continuously uh, uh, willing to help me out with anything. And even if he's not, I'm forcing him to do it. <laughs> you don't uh, like have some kind of blackmail on him or something? Well, you, you know what? And, and you know what? I'm, rather than just calling him my brother-in-law, let me give him a little bit of credit. It's the uh, my brother-in-law, who I, who I love dearly, Arnel Delion. Uh, he is just a fantastic machinist and, um, and he is, uh, I'm going to, uh, he, he, he gave me permission. I'm going to share his, uh, his email address. Uh, if anyone's interested in some of the things that, uh, that I'm talking about now, like getting some helpful hints or, or anything like that, he's willing to, to field questions or, uh, uh, or anything of that nature. And, um, you know, I'll we'll 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 share that in our show notes, and uh, yeah. and, and then soon after that, Arnell is going to have to change his email address. That, 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 that's abs- <laughs> that's absolutely correct. I I, I he, he, he and you know what he said about that? He says, you know what? Nobody's going to be emailing me about anything. <laughs> I go, you know what? You're probably right. <laughs> no, but the thing, his email address is going to be on our website, and he's just going to get spammed. <laughs> oh, that's true. <laughs> oh well, that's true. That's right. That's a good and, idea. And, and hacked. Right. Exactly. <laughs> right. 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 Well, that's really nice of Arnell. No, he, I liked. I like to meet him sometime. And 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 we will. I. You know. Maybe. Maybe we'll. Maybe we'll have him as a special guest uh, to talk about uh, how to do all this crazy DIY stuff. Because what I also will share with you in the future is that uh, I told you he made a, a couple other things for me. He made me a fantastic uh, camera slider. Right. And uh, so. Uh, that that was the first project, but uh, so I'm kind of working backwards. The jib is just his piece stay resistance. Uh, so uh, we'll we'll talk about the the slider because uh, that one is 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 a is a good one too. But yeah, that's anyway, great. That's props great and shout outs to my man Arnell Delion. Thank you, Arnell, for uh, uh, for everything. And uh, Keith, I I, I got to show you w- 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 some of the footage. And, and and what it looks like because it's 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 pretty neat. I mean, uh, you know, I, I think it covers a lot of ground. Certainly, a lot for me. Uh, but again, not a super portable thing. So I really, you, you know, for for the times I'm going to use it, 
you know, I'm really wondering, you know, good thing I DIY'd it because if I spent like two, three hundred dollars on that, I'd be mad for just using it for one shot. Yeah. So now should I talk about some of the jibs that I have? Yeah. Why don't you? Okay. L- 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 so that's my DIY. Let's talk about uh, what what Keith paid for. <laughs> well, you know, I've done a lot of DIY, but I've never had the um, courage to do a DIY jib. Yeah. Um, yeah. And but I but I actually have purchased a couple of jibs, and and also there's a lot of substitutes for jibs. You can get the jib effect just by using other other stuff. Sure. Um, like one of the one of the easiest ways to get a small jib move is to use a Steadicam. Right. Exactly. So, yes. Yeah. So you can you can just start low or start higher, or whatever, and just move it up, and that gives you a pretty. If you're a good uh, Steadicam operator, you can get a pretty good approximation of a jib. Um, another another jib approximation is to use a tripod, but you just use two legs of the tripod. So you just shorten the third one uh, so that it's not going to hit the ground, and you just you you can use a pan and you use a pan head uh, head. So you actually will tilt up to keep the head level, and you and you move the whole thing forward and back on the two legs. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, and that it's not as as wide of a range as a jib. It'll maybe be three feet. Right. But you can get that approximation, and it's pretty steady. And you can also do the same thing with a monopod if you have one. Right. So those are the three kind of jib substitutes. And then sometimes you just need to use a, a big jib. And so I have a couple jibs. I have uh, the first real jib I got was quite a several years ago. Um, it's actually a, a Glidecam-made jib and i got it used and i got a really good deal on it i got i got the jib and it's a 12 foot jib so it goes pretty far out and pretty high and also it came it came with um this really nice tripod super heavy duty tripod the whole thing's pretty big and heavy i mean you'd have to have a truck to move it around and transport it to wherever you need to be right and plus you need to have weights and that's one thing you i'm not sure if you talked about in your segment but you have to weight down one in the the opposite end of the where the camera is. Yep, and uh, I I do have those, and and that's why I, that was part of my thing about it not being the most portable thing, and and you know you can't really take it with you, to, right? To use because this, and also the farther out the camera is, like if you have an eight foot extension uh, beyond the tripod point, right? Beyond the hinge point, um. And usually the point that's sticking out behind the tripod is much smaller. It's maybe a few feet back. Uh, say it's eight feet out and maybe three feet back. Well, you have to have, if your camera is 10 pounds, you have to have like 30 pounds of weight to make it neutrally balanced. Right. Because that back arm is just shorter. It has just less leverage. So <laughs> You should see my GH1 with the, um, what is it? The 28 by one. 50 millimeter lens on it uh-huh. with the road video mic on top. I got to put like a car on the other side of the jib. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's, uh, you know, and I'm carrying around these discs, you, you know, a good thing the Olympics are over because I have to use the weightlifting equipment <laughs> in order to balance it out. But yeah, it, 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 it is very, very heavy. And especially if you're using a full size one, like what you're, probably talking about the, the the weight is pretty great it's pretty great because the camera can be the camera plus whatever you have on it can be pretty pretty heavy yep. maybe up 10 pounds or 20 pounds and then and then it's going farther out so it has to be even 
even heavier. Yeah. So you can wind up putting on like, like a hundred pounds on the back end yep. for a big rig. Yep. And so you have to bring that hundred pounds around and usually they're barbell weights. So they're, they're pretty, they're about as compact as you can get in that weight, but yep. they're still, you can't, you can't like backpack it. Right. So, um, but you can get some great shots. And then, so that one I've used, uh, several times, quite a bit, but again, because it's not that portable, it's for special situations where you really need that that high end shot. Uh, and then also to give me even more versatility, I actually have a motorized pan and tilt head on the end of the jib where the camera is. So oh, I mount the camera. Nice. To, yeah. So that way I, I'm not just, um, I don't have this fixed uh, angle where the camera is aiming. I can actually pan it around while I'm also moving the jib. So you have the even more interesting movement going on. That is so very could, good. Yeah. So I can almost get like a slider shot by, by, doing the motorized uh, pan to keep on a subject while I'm moving the jib. Is that hard to control though? Is that, is that kind of hard? Like if you're going up and down with the jib and then trying to to do the motorized head, I mean, it sounds almost like you're doing like, you know, remote control airplane gliding. Yeah. It's that kind of technique is a two person technique. Okay. All right. So one person's uh, moving the back end with the weights around, that's right. elevating and, and moving the whole jib around and then sure. somebody else is operating the motorized head and and it also requires the person that's operating the motorized head needs to have a monitor so oh, you okay. can't right yeah so i don't know if you had a monitor in your setups you maybe you're just doing it blind I'm, I'm doing it blind because the way the way that i envision using my jib is solely just for those really super wide like uh uh you know uh, we've talked about uh you know your secondary camera shot Mm -hmm. That that that's what I envision using a jib for is just this super wide, as wide as you can, just taking landscape and and just getting a feel for stuff. Yeah. Uh, uh, so it doesn't really have to be focused on any one pinpointed subject. It's, you're just trying to get this wide thing going on. Right. Yeah. So ideally, just so you kind of know what you're seeing, uh, it's it might be a good idea to have a monitor at some point. Oh no way! I'm not doing that. No, <laughs> that's too much. <laughs> that's too much money. Are you kidding me? Uh, and, no, and, and, and no, and, and and in reality, I don't think I can really do that with the GH1. It doesn't have an output for for that, so I can't. Oh, it really, doesn't have a live output. No, nope, it doesn't have live output. Oh, that's okay. that's one of the bad things about GH1. I think GH2 uh, has that. They kind of improved on that, uh, but no, GH1 does not have live uh, output. So no, I have to fly blind uh, with with this camera that I have right now. Okay. So, uh, yeah. So for a monitor, um, and just a little aside on, on cheap monitors. I mean, there's a lot of really inexpensive monitors out there back, back when I was in the market for monitors, they weren't that cheap. Um, but now you can get them for like less than a hundred bucks for a fairly good little battery powered monitor that you can just, that's a really good price. Yeah. I mean, places like cheesy cam and Olivia tech have, have articles and those things all the time. Cool. So, um, I actually have a fairly high end HD monitor, a DP six that I use most, of, most of the time for my stuff. It's a small, uh, small HD is the manufacturer. And the particular one I got was the DP six. So that's the really gigantic jib. That's the one that you pull out all the stops and it's really like, it's a really big deal. And when you set it up, it really gets a lot of attention, maybe sometimes unwanted attention because it's just such a big deal. Right. 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 And you usually have to have two operators, especially if you have that panning, panning head on there, the motorized head on there. So, uh, so 
so there was I was thinking of possibly um getting a smaller more portable jib that maybe I could even put in a backpack to do some type of jib shots you know remotely like mm -hmm. on some of my nature stuff mm -hmm. and uh so I, I researched it and I actually saw this on on cheesy cam um this was by this company called DSLR devices and they came out with this super lightweight crane you know drip jib it's it's a jib right but basically it's just made out of really lightweight tubing and all the parts are pretty lightweight and you just mount it onto a regular camera and it it's not as it's certainly not as heavy duty and it can't really hold as heavy a camera as the big uh glide cam right. uh, units but it's it's actually not bad and i did a bunch of tests with it and it's it also collapses into you can put it in a backpack so there's this company called DSLR devices it's dslr-devices.com is is his website and actually just I actually skype this guy and talked to him about his 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 setup um after I actually bought it but he, it's just this guy that you know the website says handmade in london yeah it's it's made like in his apartment he's actually has a video of him <laughs> assembling it in his apartment so <laughs> but you know he just had this idea he's he thought i'm going to make this really lightweight crane that's never been done before and actually i think it is one of the one of the smaller, lighter weight, and and actually still pretty high quality units out there, and it's not that expensive. Mm. So um, I think it was like four hundred bucks or something, maybe a little bit less. So I got it and uh, put it together, and I did a bunch of tests because these kind of things you really have to test them before you really use them because they, if they fail, that's you know five thousand dollars of of gear that's crashing to the ground. Right. <laughs> so exactly. Yeah. So I tested it out. I actually haven't had an opportunity to really use it on a on an actual you know hiking shoot other than just my tests my little tests but it does get really small and you can you can carry it in a four foot bag or less and it's and the whole thing itself probably only weighs about five pounds so it's in and itself doesn't weigh that much um the thing that's going to make it weigh more is the tripod but i i got a specific really lightweight aluminum tri but very strong tripod for it with a special um, panning head that's strong enough to hold it, uh, but it's still very light. And uh, <clears throat> and then also the weights. So for the weights, I'm going to try to do something clever, like uh, just bring a, bring a bag that I can like load rocks into. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's smart. Yeah. And then, and then see how that works. It's certainly not as precise as, as the kind of weights that you put on the back. Right. Um, but... But would be a lot, of course, a lot more portable because you just use whatever is available. Hopefully, you're in a right. situation where there are some rocks. <laughs> if not, you will have to load children into the <laughs> yeah. into the backpack. Yeah. Well, one. Here, can't get in this back and level out my camera. <laughs> yeah. It's an amusement park ride right. and a jib. <laughs> could sell tickets. Just have to sit here for a good <laughs> three hours while I get this shot right. Well, anyway, um, so uh, so that's an interesting little device, and I'm I'm kind of excited to to try that out. That that particular unit, I had to do a little bit of mods to it to get it the way I wanted, but it wasn't that bad. Just, just there were a couple things that I thought could work a little bit better, so I just modded it. And I told the guy I did this, so maybe incorporate it in his next version. But mm. it's it's pretty nice and small. So how far does it get? Can, can, does does it reach pretty tall? Or it does. It, it I think it goes out to either six or eight feet. That's pretty good. Yeah, 
That's pretty good. It's pretty good. Wow. And it, it looks like it might f- like fall apart and collapse because when you're using it, it definitely is bending. You know, the rods are, are right. kind of bending. Sure. But, but uh, I think it's n- not going to break. I think it's just bending because that's how metal bends. Well, if it bends, then does that affect the smoothness and the speed of which you can actually, you know, go up and down on the thing? No, it's just bent and it's constant. It's not, um, it's not really like, if you look at the, it's just kind of like a suspension bridge. You know how the Golden Gate Bridge looks yeah. like it's curved. Right, right. It's, it's, it's not like it's bouncing up and down or, or really moving. It's just continually at that curve. It's just the weight of the camera and everything is just making the metal bend slightly over that long distance. Right. Um, I have, I didn't notice that it, I did some tests on it and I didn't notice any, um, any kind of vibration or, or bouncing because of that bend, but it does look a little bit like it might break compared to a lot of jibs that are just so rock solid. They're just right. straight. They don't, they don't move like the other gigantic one that I have doesn't move. Right. So, so that's that. And I, I'll give you some reports on how that works, but I think it should work out. Okay. So there's also another technique um, about kind of imitating a jib shot and that's using a slider. So if you have a long enough slider and you can mount the slider in a somewhat vertical orientation. Right. Maybe, yeah. Maybe not completely vertical, but, you know, close to it. Uh, and you can angle and you have a ball head or something so you can angle the camera uh, so it's straight. Then you can actually use a slider for a jib move, move as well. True. And that, and that works. And that can work pretty well. So in that way, a long slider can approximate uh, a jib and is a little bit more in some cases, more portable because you don't have to have all that weight, extra right. weight to carry around. Right. And, and and you're probably carrying around a slider more often than you're bringing around a jib. It's something that you could has, has a few more uses because you can do those, those tracking shots right. that you can get with a slider. I'm seriously considering getting this thing called a shuttle pod mini, which is made by Kessler. And I, and I and I do love Kessler products. I'm trying to think of what the I thought I've heard of that. Yeah, the ShuttlePod ShuttlePod Mini it's called, and it was introduced a couple months ago at NAB by Kessler. Okay. Kessler Crane, and they make a lot of great parts. Kessler Crane is really a professional. They make all kinds of camera support movement motion products, but they're really heavy duty. Sometimes they may be a little too heavy duty. They're they're kind of to tend to be a little bit big and heavy and maybe overbuilt. They're for bigger, more professional cameras usually. Yeah. Um, but I think they've been getting some demand for some of the smaller, lighter weight things like for DSLRs. I, 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 from, I, from when I have ever gone on the Kessler site, they do now have a pretty good selection of DSLR type of uh, equipment that, uh, that it can support. Yeah. They definitely are getting a little bit more in the mini mini smaller versions. I have a couple of their products. I actually have the Philip Bloom pocket dolly, which okay. is a, shor- a shorter slider. Sure. And then I also have the Cine slider, which is the long five foot kind of version of that. And then yeah. I have motors and motor control for doing time lapses and things on that. Right. So, but all that stuff's kind of big and heavy. I mean, even the, the pocket dolly is not that big and heavy. The pocket dolly is pretty good, pretty small. But mm-hmm. when you start adding the motors on it and, tripod legs and support it starts yeah. getting to be kind of big sure of course um so they just came out with this thing called the the shuttle pod mini and they had this other thing called the shuttle pod before which was a 
it's about a one foot wide kind of a platform that could go on these tracks. And then you could move, you could just have it motorized with a pulley to go wherever you wanted, or you could even attach it to a, and make it into a jib. So it'd be like this thing that you could also move up and down in a form of a jib, but also move it along this track in a kind of complex movement. And, you know, when you get to that point, it starts getting really big and heavy and multiple people. Right. But they, but they have this thing called the shuttle pod mini, which is a, a smaller version of the shuttle pod. And so everything's smaller and it's about the width of the sliders that they sell. So the track is about that wide. Um, but it's just, everything's, but the track is much more, uh, versatile because you can actually, uh, link sections together. Whereas on the sliders, that's pretty much it. If you get a three foot slider, that's, that's all you get. You, you can't add more to the slider. Right. But the shuttle pod mini, you can actually add more tracks. So if you're in a situation where you know it's, on, you're only going to need three feet, then you bring your three foot rods. But if you know it's going to be like a long shot over a meadow, 20 feet, you could bring 20 feet of rods. Maybe if you, if you needed that shot. And then you can also add motors to it for motion control and turntable heads and pan heads and all kinds of things to it, similar to the Cine slider and the pocket dolly. So I was looking at this as a, as a more portable, lighter version of a slider that was maybe a little bit more versatile. Mm -hmm. um, and it, and it's com comparable in price. It's actually not, it's about the same price as the sliders and which I already have actually over the past had some correspondence with Eric Kessler, who's the head of Kessler crane. And uh, he's been really nice. They have actually pretty good support and they really do stand by their products. Um, there were, there was one little problem with something that I got from them and they were very good about, like I sent it to him and he said, oh, we've got to fix this right away. You know, tell us what, you know, will make you happy. And just, they just sent me, you know, a replacement really quickly. So they're pretty good at that. Pretty good at customer service, which is really nice. So I'll, you know, this is something I maybe I'll be getting in the next month or two. I, you know, I have to tell you, I'm on the Kessler site right now looking at the shuttle pod mini and by the picture of it, I still don't know what it does. <laughs> I'm looking at this. It, it looks like it is a, um, looks like a spaceship, <laughs> uh, but I just don't know where you purchase the jet packs to <laughs> engage flight. Um, I, I really can't tell what it is, so I, I'll be very interested to, to see how this darn thing works. Uh, it it but it looks like a great piece of machinery here. It is. Maybe you can have um, Arnell. Brother, put, you put, can put have Arnell. Together? Maybe yeah. Maybe build one of these for you. That'll be the challenge. And, the Arnell challenge. And and and, 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 <laughs> and I'll tell you this: he'll only charge you about seventy five percent of what they're charging you. <laughs> no, but we like Kessler though. No, Kess the th the Kessler stuff is not cheap. They're definitely not the cheapest stuff. Yeah, but it looks but very high quality though. Everything that I've got from them is superb quality. Yeah. It's really well machined and and mostly really well thought out. They they have pretty good engineering and uh, it's it's the kind of stuff that can really take a beating. It's really meant for professional use and using a lot. So that's what I've noticed. You know, I'm looking at the specs of it, and this thing looks uh, looks pretty big, but it only weighs 15 pounds. That's not, that's yeah, not that great. That's not that. I mean, that's not that you know great in weight. It it's probably even, light. yeah, and it's probably even less when you like if you don't have uh, all the the tracks and things. Sure. sure. So I think I think the the actual does it say how 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 much the actual thing weighs the pod itself 
Uh, no, they, they they just say the weight. Oh, oh you know what? I just, li- I just lied. I was reading the wrong thing. That's the weight capacity is 15 pounds. It doesn't. Yeah. Li- Wait a minute. I think it's more like a couple pounds. It's pretty, it's pretty light. Yeah. I don't think it, it has that kind of spec, but it can yeah. hold 15 pounds is a lot. That it it is. Hold. That, that'll hold a. Oh my like gosh. That'll hold epic. your. Oh, that'll, that'll hold your 700 and then some. And yeah, the that, five other cameras you want to mount on it at the same time. <laughs> Hey, that's a good idea. There you go. <laughs> Having more than one camera. I've never done that. More than one camera on the slider. There you go. One wide, inspiring. one medium, one tele, yeah. uh, one macro. <laughs> oh, that's such a great idea. Thank Rodney. you. You're 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 very welcome. Any consulting uh, you can call on me. <laughs> well, uh, again, I have no idea what this thing does, but it's the Shuttle Pod Mini. That looks pretty exciting. So the thing about the shuttle pod mini is that, you know how I said you could probably approximate uh, a, some jib shots with a slider, right? Well, you can you can do almost the same thing with the shuttle pod mini, but the thing about the shuttle pod mini is you could actually have it a much longer track that's mounted at vertical orientation, and also it has this ability to hang upside down, so you can act, it can actually lock so it doesn't depend on gravity to to rest on it. So you can actually have the camera uh, be very stable even when it's mounted uh, almost vertically or even over vertical. So it's actually upside down. So, you know, I'm reading about it right now and it says that it comes in different, you know, rail sections, right? Two feet, three feet, four feet. Can you add more to those? So like if you bought like, you know, five sections of the two foot rails, you'd get 10 feet, right? Worth right. of, uh, uh, worth, and, and you could do that. Yes. There it's meant to be modular. So you can just keep adding as much as you need. Oh, that's pretty neat. That is very versatile. Yeah. And supposedly it actually uses a standard three quarter inch, uh, aluminum, similar to what you used for your job. Uh huh. And, uh, if that's the case, then I'm not going to buy the two, the rails from them because they're really expensive. Like a two foot rail section costs two hundred forty nine dollars. Oh Whereas wow! If you, yeah, if you buy two foot of rail at Orchard Supply, it's like five dollars. Right. So it's quite a difference. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I actually have a question to Eric Kessler on that. Okay. Because he does mention that's one of the features of it that that it's built on this three quarter inch square aluminum rod system, so you can get that at any hardware store. Right. But then they sell these rails as well. So what's the difference? They pre- well, I mean, by looking at the picture, these are nice machined black, cool color, you yeah, know, industrial get- looking. Whereas the one you'll get at Orchard is probably pink. It, yeah, it's it's a, it's yeah, it's uh, metal colored with various markings on it. Right, exactly. And labels five ninety nine. Yeah, <laughs> codes UPC codes. <laughs> right. That'll make a little bump when the shuttle pod goes over it. Exactly. <laughs> That's pretty neat. Oh, that looks good. I like it. Yeah, we'll see. I'll keep you updated on that. Yeah. All right. Uh, I haven't. I don't haven't. Well, I actually did put it on my cart and my other computer just to save it. But boy, those carts are full. <laughs> They're just full. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's go back to the jib now. Okay. You know, Keith, I have to tell you that the reason for my wanting uh to to do this jib project with Arnell uh is 
not only you know uh not only after seeing you know the diy segments on uh on m's site and on olivia's site but what really got me was after and and well before that uh you had done a project uh for the city of brisbane for a soapbox derby video and in that, you close the video with this terrific mm. jib shot, which it has to be like a 20-foot elevation thing that, that you did. Uh, you know, certainly something that, you know, we see in motion pictures all the time, and, you know, in big Hollywood movies and stuff like that. It was this huge thing, huge, you know, motion thing that you did. And it just looked great. You know, it's one of those nice wide shots. You get the... You know the 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 watch of the the street and you know everyone you know in the street goofing around and all this kind of very poetic type of shot. And I said to myself, "Hey, that is really really great. It's a great accent. It's a great way to close a film, open a film, whatever it is." Uh, and I said, uh, "You know, boy, I wish I could get one of those." And then when these DIYs came, I said, "Hey, well, here's my chance, and I can get something similar to it." Now, you know, I can't do that type of shot, but I can get pretty close to it and, and be very pleased. Tell us about that jib shot that I'm talking about in, in your film. Okay. So we've been talking a little bit about these jibs that mount on tripods. So they really have a limited amount of travel. Right. You know, I, probably the most you can get out of these is maybe 12 feet of these kind that you can either buy for something you could afford or make yourself. You just can't get maybe higher than, 12 feet at the most. So this particular shot you're talking about is from this film that I, that I made uh, called Brisbane Derby, which is about this uh, annual um, soapbox derby that actually occurs in Brisbane, California every year. That's the town that I live. And it's a really great race uh, where all the kids in town uh, make these, their parents and the kids make these very uh, creative, cars that ride down the street that's just perfect it's one of the streets in town that's and it's perfect for this derby it's just uh straight and gives it a correct angle so every year they have this this derby every october or fall and um so uh, uh luckily um one of the city people had rented a uh, cherry picker type uh I don't know what they're called, cherry picker uh, units. Uh, essentially a crane that's the kind that, that's uh, powered by some diesel engine that you usually use to uh, they use elevate. It, they, they use it to wash windows, don't they, a lot of they, times? Yeah, they can use it to wash windows. They use it to change signs, you know, on on uh, like on the highway when, the, when, when you want to change a sign or on a building when you want to change the sign from something to another or to paint sometimes to paint yeah um and i think most pg and e trucks have them <laughs> right a lot of times you'll <laughs> on top see of their the, trucks yeah you'll see a version of them uh in uh, for power line uh repair a lot sometimes they're used for cutting trees they're called cherry pickers and and you can imagine why because the cherry tree is kind of tall and you need to get up there and pick the cherries so um i was on this pretty big one and the um the city worker uh who's also a friend of mine offered for me to use this for filming so and this thing can't it, pass it, that up yeah so i so i um got on there and filmed a bit and uh and you know you this is the kind of thing where 
it's not like a super precise uh, instrument. <laughs> it's kind of jerky and 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 doesn't move that smoothly. So it took a lot of tries to get the right shots. And at the ends of the shots, there's this big jerk, and the beginning of the shots is a big jerk. But it doesn't. You, you edit that stuff out so that doesn't show in the final film. And uh, but it was a great experience, and it actually was really high. It was much more than twenty feet. It was like. 50 feet high yeah that I, so. I, that that sounds about right because it, i mean it was it was really a terrific shot and and i said wow that that looks so neat that looks really really great yeah it's a good thing i'm not afraid of heights yeah <laughs> so there you go uh gang you could do it diy like i did and get your brother-in-law uh to to make one for you uh you could do a a, a couple of the versions that keith was talking about uh, that is available on on uh, certain websites. Of course, we will uh, post links uh, to those items. Or you can go get yourself a cherry picker and uh, do a fantastic, memorable, epic shot like that. Of course, uh, you'll probably need somewhere to park it after you're done. But nonetheless, it gets the job done for a terrific uh, video scene. So we covered about all the different ways that you can possibly elevate your... Um your camera and uh, in a jib like fashion. We haven't yet talked about aerial videography, which will be in an upcoming episode. Excellent. Aerial photography. I, I, I doubt that I will ever experience that because I will get uh, too air sick and I probably won't be able to do it. So uh, we will talk about that plus a lot more in upcoming episodes. Keith, thank you for your insight on the jib. Thanks for letting me talk about it. Uh, Arnell, thanks for uh, making that thing for me and uh, all the other great things we talked about. Thank you so much. We will be right back with more stuff here on Tech Move. Well, it looks like we've come to the end of another great episode, Keith. I mean, uh, I, I think that was uh, another great one, if I don't mind saying so myself. That was a fun one. You know, but before we go, uh, I know that there were a couple new updates that you want to share with us with regards to Premiere Pro. Right. Yeah, I I, I uh, experienced, actually, it was, it was mostly in encoding these AIN world conference videos that we talked about in the intro oh okay um yeah because i you know 21 videos requires a lot of encoding and uh one of the reasons that i got my my super uh nvidia gpu card (laughs) was to help with this right another another massive encoding task because that's a lot of that's many hours of encoding if you don't have a fast gpu going it can really make things go slow yes so um anyway so I started exporting, you know, these five to 15 minute videos and it was really slow using uh, another application that is supplied with the Adobe CC suite called Adobe Media Encoder. Mm-hmm. And so the way it works is you can either export directly from Premiere Pro and, and that's fine, but it, it pretty much doesn't allow you to do anything with Premiere Pro until it's done exporting. So if you want to do any work in Premiere Pro, you can't, you have to wait until it's done. Uh, and when I exported it that way, it was pretty fast. But then when I exported it by queuing it, 
and then that queue is sent to Adobe Media Encoder, which is kind of a companion application that does its its only purpose is to do encoding and producing final files. Um, it was really slow, like one fifth, one sixth the speed, and so it was going to take forever to do these videos this way. Right. Not even real time, huh? No, no, no. It wasn't even no. It wasn't <laughs> even close to real time. So I was hmm. like, "What is the problem with this?" And so I actually um, did a little research on the internet and found out. Yeah, like Adobe Media Encoder doesn't seem to support CUDA. I said, what? Because I knew that it supported CUDA before. Uh, CUDA is the interface that allows Premiere Pro and other Adobe apps to essentially leverage the power of the GPU card and not just using the, the, Mac, the Mac or PC's internal uh, CPU to do the whatever kind of computing task it needs to do. Right. So... Uh, Listeners of Tecmo should know by now what that is, but I just wanted to explain it again. Uh, so I said, "What? This is really bad. I mean, this kind of makes Adobe Media Encoder virtually useless." <laughs> so I did a little more research, and I kind of pieced together that. Now here's here's now here's the thing. In in uh, remember I told you about my Jeep, my secret, you know how to trick your Mac into using this new fancy gaming gpu card oh exactly yes i do right so adobe actually has this file that it's just a text file that's located inside the adobe stuff on your computer when you when you uh, either your mac or your pc when you install it it's uh -huh. just a text file you kind of have to find it it's not it's not really meant to be messed with but adobe uses this file to know if it can use the card installed to do cuda functions and if your card is not listed in that file, it won't use CUDA. Oh. But with Adobe CC, they actually changed the behavior of that in Premiere Pro CC. So in previous versions like CS 5.5 or CS 6, if, if it wasn't in that list, Adobe would not allow you to use it. But in CC, it just gives you a warning. So when you say you want to use the GPU for CUDA, It'll say, this is not a supported card. You want to use it anyway. And you click, okay. And then everything's fine and it uses it and it works perfectly. Uh, well, so Premiere Pro allowed me to dismiss it, but Adobe Media Encoder still uses that file to see if it can use it or not. <laughs> <laughs> and nobody in the universe knew this. So I was just, but I pieced some stuff together over the internet. I looked and I said, I'm going to, I think Adobe Media Coder needs, needs this thing in this file, needs, needs the, my, my card listed in this file. Mm -hmm. So I added it to the file, you know, just using an editor to find the file and, and add it just a line of text that had the name of my card. And I found out how to, what the name of my card was in a certain way. Right how adobe adobe sees that card the name and i put right, that you got that in. naming convention and you right. and you simply edited that text file i had my my card name to the bottom of that text file i had a bunch of other cards in there i added mine to the bottom and then i saved it and lo and behold media encoder used it and it was like 10 times as fast wow look <laughs> at that man so, oh man yeah so that that saved my butt wow that. you're but a genius <laughs> But I basically had to figure this out myself. And uh, had other people complained about this? Oh, yeah. All kinds of people on the internet were complaining. So I actually posted it on a couple um, forums that specialize in Adobe Premiere Pro. And right. I posted it up there. And everybody just, I got so many people thanking me 
Well, make sure they for, you mentioned the podcast when that, uh, <laughs> that in your signature line. I, sh- I should, should have just said I've, I talked lo- about how to fix it in my podcast you, and not given the answer. <laughs> you, yeah. <laughs> that would have been great. You, you, you should have said uh, uh, you should have said you can hear the answer on Tech Move <laughs> on Tech Move, All right? <laughs> Starring Rod Lou and Keith Morrow. <laughs> Uh, no, I didn't. I didn't think of that. That was. That would have been a good marketing move. That would have been. Fa- that would have been fantastic. <laughs> that would have been. Fan- this could have been a paid service too. <laughs> Extortion. Right. Exactly. Um, I'm not. That's not above me. You or gotta, beneath me. Techmovepodcast.com slash Amazon. Buy something. Then I'll give you the answer. <laughs> that's right. We, we hold these video cards in hostage. <laughs> That's uh, great. So, so so it works really great, and uh, everything is going fine. Yeah, it worked really well. It was it's really speedy now, and I'm I'm really glad. And and actually, the gaming GPU card is really fast. I really like it. Good, 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 good. Well, we'll uh, maybe we'll touch on that uh, on our next go around and uh, and get a little bit more complete review uh, from you on that and uh, see how things are going. Okay. We'll do, Rodney. Yeah, that sounds fantastic. So I'm going to talk a little bit about what's coming up in our next episode. Okay. Um, so we're going to have an all-Apple extravaganza, and we're going to talk about uh, some of the new products that Apple just announced at the big Apple event that just happened. And that includes Mavericks, uh, some of the new Macs, new iPads, new apps, more on the new Mac Pro and our thoughts about the new Apple iOS 7. All right, uh, we are going to wrap it up right here. Thanks a lot for listening, and uh, we'll catch you next time on Tech Move. <laughs>